My name is General Tony Zinni, former Commander-in-Chief of the United States Central Command and a lifelong Marine. A republic, if you can keep it. Those are the words Benjamin Franklin spoke when asked what kind of government our founders had forged in 1787. In the two centuries since our founding, millions have joined the fight to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States of America. These last few years, however, all of us have sensed something broken in our democracy. No matter where your politics fall, the extreme division, the hateful rhetoric, I have seen the devastating consequences of other nations giving in to tribalism, divisiveness, distrust. The rule of law is cast aside. Its people are silenced. Democracy crumbles. And ultimately, the Republic is lost. If we work together today to defend our democracy, we can keep it tomorrow for our children and their children. So today, I challenge you just like those before you, take steps right now that will reverberate through history. Protect and serve our democracy by texting REPUBLIC to 35565. You'll join a nationwide movement bringing together Americans of all political stripes to rescue our democracy. We're already making tangible changes to restore trust in the Republic, but we need to work together at an unprecedented scale to succeed. That means all of us. In the military, we say the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. And now it is our time to be the caretakers of that freedom. This is our Republic, America, so let's keep it. Smart politics is an advocacy method. It is person-to-person -person and conversation-based. It is psychologically informed and Importantly, um, it's grounded in democratic values, which means we recognize every person as having important and valuable contributions to make um, with, within our political system. We think everyone should have a voice, even people we vehemently disagree with. So why do smart politics conversations work? Well, in these conversations, first off, we respect autonomy, which means we don't try to control people and so they don't react negatively. We avoid triggering ego-based defensiveness so they don't you know, feel personally attacked. We bypass the belief defense system, which is the part of the brain that basically makes sure that makes us biased for our own ideas rather than new and foreign ideas. It's kind of like an immune system for the mind, just like the immune system protects our body against foreign invaders. The belief defense system protects the mind from foreign ideas. We also meet the other person's emotional needs rather than our own emotional needs because we have to meet their emotional needs so that they're in a state that they can actually hear what we have, have to say. To do that, we create what I call a rethinking relationship with the other person. 
um, a relationship where the other person feels safe enough to actually reconsider what they believe about the world. And finally, over the course of the conversation, we do things that are basically designed to increase rationality, increase curiosity and empathy and self-reflection and open-mindedness. So how do we do this? Uh, we use two primary tools. One is the change conversation pyramid and the other is the change conversation cycle. So this is a, the change conversation pyramid. And for the, in a, over the course of the conversation, you need to start at the bottom of the pyramid and work your way up. The mistake that most people make in a conversation and, and what it sounds like most of you make in a conversation is starting at the top and just kind of staying there and focusing on cognition, which really is those arguments based on reason and evidence. From our perspective, not only should that be the last thing you do, it's, it's really the least important thing that should ever happen in a political conversation. And it's a tiny, tiny bit of what transpires. So let's go through that pyramid level by level, and I'll explain to you which, what each level is. So at the bottom of the pyramid, that most important level is comfort. You need to make the other person feel safe enough to talk with you. Now, this doesn't mean that they you need to make them feel perfectly safe. As a matter of fact, if they felt perfectly safe, uh, then they probably, you know, wouldn't even reconsider their beliefs at all. You're, you're trying to encourage them to, to think in a new way about, about things, but without making them feel it like, like something bad could happen, like you might attack them at any moment, like they might say the wrong thing and, and you'll tell them they're a horrible person or end the relationship. They need to know that they can say what's on their mind and not be attacked for it. And they also need to know that you're not going to control them or try to control them. The second thing is you need to establish some kind of connection grounded in, in real trust. So there are a couple of things that tend to build trust. One is showing that you have a lot in common. That, that you are, are similar people with similar interests, similar desires. When we encounter people who are similar to us, we naturally trust them. Another thing you can do is to demonstrate that you trust them. When, when people are trusted, um, they tend to reciprocate that trust. So if you can do something to establish or demonstrate your own vulnerability, make yourself at risk in some way in a conversation, then they're more likely to, to trust you. The, the third level in the pyramid is comprehension. So we need to learn the other person's point of view so they can feel heard. People don't do well <laughs> listening to other people when they haven't felt like their side has already been heard. And so one of the things we do in smart politics is, is we make an effort 
to listen to them before we share our point of view so that they can kind of get that all out of their system. The fourth level in the pyramid is compassion. And it's, it's kind of amazing to me that progressives who tend to pride ourselves on being caring people are so bad at caring for our political opponents. But they need to know that we care about them as human beings. And so letting them know that, that we have empathy for their pain and their suffering, whatever it may be, and their feelings for the people they care about is really, really important. Once you do that, they're much more likely to listen to what you have to say. And finally, you get to the top of the pyramid, that cognition. And for that, what we do is we don't argue, we don't debate, we don't offer reason and evidence, but we gently encourage rethinking. And we have a whole bunch of tools for doing that. But the most important is encouraging people by sharing personal stories that kind of shift the narrative. All right. So now let's do the the hand. Adam Meal. Hey. Yeah. yeah. Hi. Hi. Um uh, I really appreciate you um mentioning cognition because I feel like pretty much that's the world I live in. Just as you said, uh everything's about how to get somebody to make a decision that you need them to make for obviously this is personal, but for me it's for the greater good. It's for the longevity of society and even for our species, because I find that um, the work that I've done in the past has escalated to a level where it's become a very dangerous environment uh, to live in. And most Americans don't seem to understand that politics are the weapon these days. I mean, we all know about misinformation. We've all heard about weaponized data, right. but, but most people don't know what that really means. I mean, fake news isn't just fake news. There's a key component missing and it actually is behind the scenes behind I think the umbrella of cognition and for me I'm wondering how do I get the people that need to be influenced to change our laws and our regulations policies everything revolving cognition decision making neurological control and influence how do I get that change made because I I don't like to scare people but I know too much and I know where the, the trajectory we're headed in it's going to kill a lot of people it's very scary for me and I feel a huge burden on me. And I really take the punishment for trying to expose it years ago, but um, I still feel yeah. like it has to be done. Yeah. It, uh, I, I hear you. And you're right. There is a lot going on with misinformation is really scary. And I, I think it all comes down to organizing. Like that's how, how we make, we make change. B Ellis. Okay. Dana. Oh, I'm sorry. I had trouble unmuting. I got a little window there. Um, okay. So my question is, I've done some persuasion. Um, the problem I was having, I'm going to use a personal story with my mom. Uh, so she's 96 and she won't get vaccinated. So I try to ask her open questions in terms of trying to understand her perspective and her position as to why she won't. She'll just say, well, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And I'm not going to do it. You yep. know, kind of and like, you're not going to make me. And it's like, well, mom, I'm just trying to understand why you feel that way. And I worry about her, obviously. And it's frustrating. Um, so that's one question. And then my follow up would be, but when I'm calling on the phone, what I always try to do is what you just did. 
you're right. I agree with them. And then I uh-huh. find where they're right or how, like you said, I can kind of get my foot in the door so at least we can have an open dialogue. What's difficult sometimes, because this is a skill that does not come naturally to me, and why I'm on this call is to learn what you're talking about, which are the techniques you can use to influence or persuade people to at least listen to your point of view. Yeah, yeah. Great, great questions. And um, in, t- in terms of that problem of getting her into the conversation, that that's common. And you have to be really patient. And sometimes I find it can be helpful to name the the anxieties. Like, to be honest, maybe that you haven't always been super res- respectful. Um, to be honest, that you know she's worried that you're going to try to force her and tell her she's wrong. And, you know, meet her there by saying, you know what, I've been working on my communication skills. And so I'm going to do my best not to do those kinds of things. Ultimately, though, it's up to her. If she doesn't want to have the conversation, you, you can't make her. So Taking that um, pyramid in mind, which are the things where you spend most of your current, in in your current conversations, where are you spending most of your time and energy? Well, I'm glad to see that comprehension is is up there. So, So folks are at least trying to understand where the other person is coming from. And, and that is, is great. What's probably most concerning to me here is that comfort and compassion are are so far down the list of priorities. So as I said before, comfort should be the first thing. That should be number one in, in where you're spending your time and your conversations. And it's just not, not happening. The second big tool that we use in smart politics is the change conversation cycle. And the cycle is a five-step process that kind of structures our conversations so that, and it makes it easier for us to climb that that pyramid. If you're you're using the cycle, it's much more likely that that you will will hit the levels of the pyramid as, as you need to in order to make a conversation effective. So the first step in the cycle, if you are uh, initiating a conversation, is, is to ask questions. And in general, these questions should be open-ended, not, we're not, you know, don't make it a yes or no type of question, non-judgmental and curious. A lot of times what I try to do is elicit personal stories. So I'm trying to find out maybe how a person developed their opinions on a topic. When did they first start thinking this way? How how did they learn about it in, in their childhood, perhaps? Or how have their beliefs fluctuated over the course of their life? And, and how have their experiences influenced that, for example. The second step, of course, after you ask a question, you need to listen to the answer. 
And the listen point is where you begin with the cycle if the other person is the one that initiates the conversation. So if, if they start, you need to begin by listening to what they have to say. And when we talk about listening in smart politics, we're not talking about listening to rebut or listening to respond or, or just taking turns talking. We mean listening to understand. So taking in everything the other person has to say until we have achieved kind of mastery of it at some level. So we don't interrupt when they're talking and we basically let them talk as long as, as they want. Uh, one of the things I like to do is even if a person stops talking, I will often say, you know, is there anything else you think I should know? about this topic before I move on to a place where I'm actually sharing my perspective. The next step after listening is to reflect. And reflection is basically summarizing back what the other person has said to you. And you summarize in order to do two things. One, to check your understanding. Because it very well can be that you did all that listening and ended up not really getting it. You, your comprehension may be off. And, and so when you summarize what they said, they can, they can tell you either yes or, or no. And so it's a way of getting clarification. But the second thing it can do is it demonstrates to the other person that you really are listening to them. And that is incredibly powerful. That generates a lot of positive feelings, a lot of goodwill, and it's a way to strengthen and build that connection between you. Some of the things you can do in a reflection to make them even more powerful is uh, to name the other person's feelings. So you're not just saying, so reiterating the argument, but actually saying, and you feel really angry about this, or you're worried about this, or you're really passionate about this. And uh, that can be important. And sometimes even going as far as acknowledging implicit content. The fourth step in the cycle is to agree. And I know this can be really hard. And some of you are going to ask, well, how can I possibly agree on guns or, you know, people who, who say that the election was stolen? How, how am I going to find ways to agree in that? And the way you do it is by focusing on three things, goals, values, and emotions. You can almost always find something in those three categories to agree on. Where people tend to have a lot of trouble finding agreement is on policies, politicians, parties, and, and these days, even facts. And that's okay. Just let those sit on the side. You don't even have to address them. Just focus on the things where there is agreement. And again, this is a way of building up goodwill and trust. And the final step is, after you've gone through all of that, is to share. And again, even at this point, we don't argue with facts or reason because basically you undo uh, the whole pyramid that you've built as soon as you do that. But instead, 
we shift the narrative with a personal story. So we tell about some event that we've had in our own life or someone we know has had in theirs, or maybe somebody we even read about. And we tell that story that shines a slightly different light on the issue under discussion. The reason we use narrative rather than facts or reason is because one, narratives are more compelling and more memorable. Two, uh, you can convey facts through the course of a narrative that otherwise people would argue with. And three, it, it kind of bypasses the belief defense system. Things get through that otherwise would get blocked. Oh, and it's also really important for empathy. It's very hard for people to empathize with reason and facts, but they can emphasize, empathize with characters and stories. So in your current conversations, what do you spend most of your time doing? And rank these from most to least common. I'm glad to see there's so much listening going on. That's great. Not that it's always doing a lot of good, but. <laughs> it does make a real difference, uh, the quality of the listening being, being done, right? Asking, good. Listening. So, so here's the interesting thing. So if the, if the listening is just kind of that listening to rebut their arguments, then, then yeah, that's not going to work. And if the asking is, is you're asking questions like a prosecuting attorney and a cross-examination, that's not going to work either. Both of those are going to actually undermine your connection and undermine the, the sense of comfort that the other person has in the conversation. So it's, it's tricky, but yeah, yeah. And yeah, reflecting and agreeing are way down there at the bottom. Okay. All right, um, let's do a, a demo. What I wanna know is who's up for doing a, a dialogue, channeling a, a loved one. Like a demo? The demo, right. So I, I will be me, um, but I need someone to play a difficult person to talk with. She's looking for someone to play a, a, a MAGA a Trump supporting type kind of person. All Maybe. right. Looks like Jeffrey is very eager. Do you have a particular topic you want to converse about? Well, the, this whole thing that you presented sounds delightful. It sounds wonderful and very effective when it's conservatives and liberals or liberals and conservatives or independents or libertarians, all of those groups, you know, the various groups, even like far right, you know, I think what we've wandered into in this society at this current time isn't so much con versus lib or libertarian versus, you know, independent. I think we've progressed past that, but more on that in a moment, because the person I'm thinking of role-playing is not any of those. Okay. Well, and that's because we've, we've kind of encountered a, 
I read something in the Washington Post today about a lady who calls herself burn it all down. I, I read that piece too. Okay, and I'm encountering a lot more of those people. They're, yeah. They're, they're like from another planet. They're hearing a narrative. They have a narrative of like, oh, did you see the, the video of Hillary pulling a girl's face off and wearing it? I mean, how, how do you... How do you listen, reflect, agree, and share when the narrative is like from another? It's but I'm going to role play. Well, so just just to answer that question, um, this is where it comes in really handy that I'm trained as a psychiatrist. So it it really is the case that psychiatrists use very similar tools to these right it's and and we use them with with people who are legitimately delusional and and psychotic it can work so let's go ahead and do it all right what what is the um topic well the country's about to turn communist and um I think you uh, libtards uh, are... Okay, okay. I, I got it. I'll just start off with a question. All right? All right. Uh, yeah. hey, 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 Jeffrey. I, we haven't uh, talked in a while, and I know that you have a lot of strong opinions about politics. So what, do you, what is on your mind these days? Well, the, you, you communists are out to destroy the country. And now you're you're exploiting little children for like a sex sex operation, you know, and and you're drinking people's blood and eating babies. I, I, we have to stop you because you, you're you're out to destroy the country, and you're going to uh, you know plunge us into a war because you leftists think you're in control of everything, and 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 it's our patriotic duty to stop the baby eating and the blood drinking and, and all this other evil stuff that you're doing. Hmm. Well, okay, so Jeffrey, what I'm hearing you say is that Democrats are and, and leftists, I guess, are doing a lot of really horrible things. Things things that, that sound like I agree with you are absolutely <laughs> Uh, un unthinkable. So you said like killing children and and drinking children's blood. Is that? Well, that's what I've been hearing on Tucker Carlson. You know that you okay. guys sex ring in the basement of a pizzeria, and and now that you know they shut that down. But now I hear that you're doing it other ways. You know, you're you're refining adrenochrome, and you know you're planning on. Uh, you're planning on making it impossible for Mr. Trump to run again because, well, we all know it's just because you're afraid of him and you hate him. Mm. So, okay. So the, the, there's the the killing children, the drinking their blood, and and the, and the the drinking the blood is because of something called adrenochrome that's that's in the blood. Is that is that right? And then. You're concerned about the a sex ring at a pizzeria, right? That I got. I got to tell you, one of the things that I think is really interesting about what you're saying, and I want to clarify this, is 
is that you keep saying you. And I just want to make sure, like, do, do you, when you say you, do you literally mean me? Like, do you, do you think I'm, because you're right, I'm a Democrat, I'm a liberal, and I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm even a democratic socialist. I'll, I'll go that far. But do you, do you really believe that I'm drinking blood of children? That's what they're telling me. That's what I've been reading about. I mean, I'm a very faithful reader of Breitbart and Daily Caller and Town Hall and, you know. Okay. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> well, all right. So, yeah, I, I, but we're friends, right? Well, we were until I found out that you're, you know, one of these communist baby eaters. Okay. Wow. I got, I, I have to be honest with you that that does kind of hurt my feelings that you would think that I would eat babies. Like, you know, I have like three children of my own, right? And, and I love babies. Well, I, 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 I think, right. think you're protecting your own children. Obviously, I know you love your children, but hmm. you leftists don't seem to care about other people's children. I mean, hmm. you're, God out of uh, our our schools, and you're taking your 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 you're introducing Satan and homosexuality and uh, your woke culture. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're destroying the country. So it's hard for me to be friends with you when I know that's what you're doing. Yeah. Huh. Well, I certainly agree with you that if. If I were drinking children's blood and and doing things like that, like that, that you should not be friends with me. That that is a sign that I'm a, like you should probably call the police and report me to the police and have me locked up because that would be really bad. And I also can, I also kind of agree that there are a lot of things in this country that aren't going right, right now. I don't know that you and I necessarily agree on, on those things, but I'm, I'm really worried about a lot of stuff. Like I'm worried about the economy and the fact that it's so hard for people you know, ordinary working people to make a living, that, that people who who work full time can't earn a livable wage, can't afford to buy a house. I'm I'm worried about crime. I'm I'm worried about like homelessness. Like there are a lot of things that are are really problematic. Well, I think if you leftists would just let us run things. We could solve all the problems. I mean, Trump was going to solve all of our problems. Mm -hmm. You now have this fake president. This I heard that that it's actually Jim Carrey in a mask, and Biden's dead. And you know, you you know, you you stole the election from Trump. Well, okay. Let me ask you this: I'm the election, we'd be able to solve all those problems. Okay. Well, what do you like? If if Trump were back in office tomorrow, let's say, like what is the one thing that you would like to see him do that could really like what what is the first thing 
you would like him to to do to say fix the economy? Like, what would you have him do? No, the first thing I want to have him do is lock all of you up. Oh, you see, this is this is what I'm running and I'm running into. I'm your tool sounds great for rational people, but there's becoming a shortage of rational people. But it's this is what I run. Don't don't break character. <laughs> it's very hard, but I'm basically it is, you're doing you're doing great. I'm basically <laughs> reflecting a lot of the conversations I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how many of these people really believe this or if they're just there mm-hmm. to but when you see these gatherings, these rallies yeah. are are like worthy of uh of uh oh god, what's her name? Um Marjorie Re- Taylor Greene? No, Le- Le- Lenny Reifenstahl. They're, they're oh, yeah. Lenny Reifenstahl oh. camera and, and, and it's it's like watching a repeat of history, but I think your tools are valuable for conservatives and liberals and libertarians. Uh, so, but I don't have character. I'm just having a hard time. Yeah. Not. So, Go ahead. Go ahead. So here's, we can, we can stop there. Um, but there are a couple of things that I think are really important to share about this because you're asking some really important questions. So, so the first thing to understand is, is that this doesn't have to be just one conversation. Change often takes many, many conversations. You're building up trust over, over time. And, and so it might be that in that first conversation, all we're, all I'm really able to establish is that, that I'm somebody who you can talk with comfortably. Like, I'm not going to attack you as like a crazy person or tell you you're a bad person for, for what you believe. And, and then over time, you, you may come to trust me more. I've actually, I have a, a podcast called the, the Smart Politics Show. And there's a woman who's called in a couple of times who's to, to talk with me, who I think very much fits your the, like your description of this person, she, she, um, the, the person you've been playing, like she calls in and she believes that all vaccines are, are dangerous. She believes the, about the child sex ring. She, I'm trying to remember some of the other conspiracies that she buys into, but, but very completely, like, and and we've been able to have a lot of excellent conversations and developed a lot of goodwill to the point where she actually has shared our conversations online. So she has connected with me emotionally and is very grateful for the fact that that I treat her as a human being because she's so used to being just attacked and treated very poorly by people on the left. And the thing is, that is where the shift happens. We tend to think that what really matters is reaching people at a cognitive level. It, it's, that's not how it works. Cognition follows emotion. If you can connect with people at a personal level so that they like you as a human being, 
and develop trust for you as a human being, they will naturally gravitate toward your way of thinking. And they'll want to think more like you because they like and respect you. I think I actually heard a lot of some of what you're describing when Sarah Silverman, the comedian, did yeah. her the country tour a few years back, and she was advancing a lot of the same principles. It seemed like a couple, two, two, three years ago, when she was on this tour, it was working a lot better. So I'm not discounting any of what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I guess what I'm describing is that the shift has gone to the extreme so much more in the last year or two. I mean, yeah, I think I think you're right there, that there are more people who who have fallen down the rabbit hole, as it were. And the, and the thing is, is they're now getting funding to run these playbooks like uh, it's almost like a Rwanda playbook where in the run-up to the Rwandan genocide, they described these people as cockroaches. Mm -hmm. they, I mean, Ten years ago, when I mean, when Obama first got elected, there were little quiet whisperings about, oh, civil war, or this could set off this, or whatever. But now in the last year, it's been out in the open. Yeah. The yeah. guys were wearing T-shirts said, this is the civil war. Yeah. No, that's very true. So it, I guess that's all I'm saying. I did play an over-the-top role, but you even admitted you've encountered at least one person that is very much like oh, that. Yeah, absolutely. And so it just it takes time. You gotta you gotta hang in there, and it's it's not easy. And people aren't going to be changed in a single conversation for the most part. But it it definitely can work, no matter how far gone the person is so for the same reason that I'm able to talk with someone who thinks that they have a microchip planted in their brain by the FBI, right? Okay, so thank you so much for that. That was great, Jeffrey. <laughs>